Welcome everyone to our podcast, Many Threads, One Fabric, in production with New York State United Teachers. At Many Threads, One Fabric, we understand that our stories, while unique, are part of a larger human story. By sharing those stories, we can find common ground within our diverse worlds and experience the American motto of E Pluribus Unum, out of many one. At NICET, we see it as our many threads creating one fabric. All right, so in this next episode of Many Threads, One Fabric, we are back uh, with Andrew Budgess, who is sitting right across from me. Um, And we have a really exciting interview with one of our retirees this year, Matt Fredern, who was an awesome person to interview. Wouldn't you agree, Andrew? percent agree this is i think going to be one of my favorite episodes i know uh before one of the ones i'm especially obsessed about was with uh, rodney o'neill and i feel like this is right up there with that yeah no he was so good and you know i've always loved matt and really getting to sit down and talk to him has been has been better in, just in terms of like getting to know like the man behind the legend that's true <laughs> a lot of things yeah looks like he's just straight union guy or he's a high standards teacher right he's just this fun guy to hang out with on a boat but uh <laughs> but he is all those things and i think a lot of this stuff. So it's yeah. Great. Yeah. Or a, a magnificent Guinness drinker. But, you know, there, he's more than that. Um, I will apologize for the sound. Um, well, for my sound on the interview because I just, you know, got a new fancy mic and it was set to the wrong setting. And Andrew and Matt sound wonderful, but I sound like I'm in a different room. I am not in, di- in a different room. I am right there with them enjoying the entire thing. And I hope you enjoy it too. Yeah, what can I say? Okay, okay. (laughs) All right, here you go. We are here today with uh, one of the people that I admire the most, who is retiring this year, sadly to say, um, Matt Federn, the great Matt Federn. Um, I know, no, I really don't, I'm a big fan. Um, you're like, you're just like your whole demeanor, like as our union senior rep and union leader in the building, like you've always been super calm and, you know, you always just like knew what was important to you and like, you're a really good role model. So I'm, I'm going to be sad to see you go. Thank you. Kind words. (laughs) But I'm really excited uh, to talk to you right now about like, who you are, because I'm sure we're going to find out a lot more in this one little sitting. And um, just like talk about like your career at Belfort High School. Sure, <laughs> sure. And, and, uh, and, and I'm here. I'm, yeah, so Andrew here, and I'm <laughs> excited uh, to talk to Matt too, because um, I feel like there are people that when they retire, some people are what I would call like Hall of Famers, and Matt Fitter is a Hall of Famer. And my daughter, who is an 11th, she's finishing 11th grade this year at Belport High School. My daughter, Maddie, when she was making her schedule last year, she told me she was going to take AP physics as a junior. And I thought, well, that's a class that they would never allow me to take at any year in high school. <laughs> but uh, the fact that she wanted to do it junior year, it seems strange to me because it sounds like the hardest class in that our school offers, maybe that in AP calculus. And, uh, and I asked her, I said, so why junior year? And she said, because 
uh, Federn is going to retire next year, and I don't want to miss having him. And I thought, well, that, I mean, that's a very nerdy thing to say. And my daughter's <laughs> a very good student, but she's not that level of nerdy. Mm-hmm. So it sort of breaks through, like his reputation is actually causing uh, kids to, to change their, their scheduling <laughs> priorities. And that's, that's not a bad measurement of greatness. Much appreciated you saying that. So, um, and uh, it's it's been a long, good run. It has been a long, good run. So, but he has been happy the last few months. That I happiest, have. <laughs> the happiest man I've ever seen. Smiling more than I think you've ever seen me smiling. <laughs> uh, but we're going to start, we're going to go way back. We're going to start at the beginning. So, first, are you, where are you from? Like, are you from Long Island? Yes, I grew up in Smithtown, Long Island. Um, I went to Smithtown West and graduated in 1986. So um, for many of the teachers that are with me, some of them were not born when I graduated. So I know it's not you, (laughs) but many. Uh, So and I grew up there and uh, went to University of Delaware, graduated with a degree in physics and education combined so I could be certified. And I was looking all over for a job at the time. It wasn't easy in 1991. Oh, by the way, it took me an extra year. Oh. Uh, 1991, I was looking for a job and uh, went all over. I was looking even New Jersey, New York, all over. Um, but I landed a job here at Belfort, and it was outstanding. Um, so I what started. Did you know? I started <laughs> as a leave replacement. Actually, it's a funny story, but I needed to take over for someone that they hired who was a much older gentleman at the time who could not handle the classes. Oh. So they, they called me back and said, uh, could you come in? This was near the end of September. Uh, they didn't have me start in the beginning of September and they called me back. We need you to come in. Would you, are you still available? I said, yes, I am. And, uh, came back and took over and it's been a great run ever since then. Uh, the leave replacement turned into a full-time position. And everything worked out very well for me. I'm, I've been happy there ever since. Um, so, um, so just so I have this right, you did not get the job initially. You got beat out by somebody else. Yes, I did. And uh, and then they sort of followed up, and and that was when you became a leave replacement. Yes, exactly. The, not for that person. Um, right. It was the the position was a leave replacement initially for someone named Carol Escobar, who was a an excellent teacher. Um, and very intelligent woman that uh, was uh, diagnosed with cancer. Oh, so okay. um, I ended up, they, they were looking for someone to take over for her during that time, and we were all interviewing, and they picked someone else and then came back to me. <laughs> so, so I know there's a lot of new people that uh, they take that kind of route where it, they don't just walk in and get the job right away or they're putting in their time and they're in a leave replacement and they're wondering if it's going to work out. But you know what? It could work out. Yes. Matt's a legend. And it's yes. been about three decades later. <laughs> it would be funny for anyone to hear that he didn't get hired yeah. straight out of the gate. Right. Yes. And I will tell you, it was tough times then. It really was. And I'm not to say not saying that I should have gotten a job right away somewhere mm-hmm. because it's not easy. You need experience. You need those things. I had done some uh, sub-teaching in certain places uh, to kind of get my, my feet wet, but you know, that was the situation. 1991 was not an easy time to find a teaching job on Long Island. So what was Belfort like in 1991? Um, I, I absolutely loved Belfort at that time. Um, it was just a, the way people integrated and just 
work together. The kids, the adults, everyone was just, it, it amazed me. It really did. Um, I did grow up in, in Smithtown, as I said, and just coming to Bellport and seeing how everyone interacted with everyone else. It wasn't just groups here, groups there. It, everyone interacted. And I, I loved it. I absolutely so it was loved diverse it. Then. Yes, it was. Uh, and the diversity was, you would go to a, a, a sporting event and all the kids would just be together, just joined together, cheering for whatever. And it was fantastic. It really, it impressed me. And I, I actually have a student right now that I said, you know, I, I just remember his, his, his aunt mm. in the stands. She was in my class. And I just remember how integrated everyone was. Yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah, I, I wrote notes to ask you about going from Smithtown to Belport because Smithtown isn't known for its diversity nope. and Belport is. And, and I grew up in basically Levittown, which is historically not known for its <laughs> diversity. And, uh, and that's one of the things I loved about it too. One of the things that really hit me that uh, might not have hit Wendy, because you went to Bellport High School, this is like your reality. But uh, when I got to Bellport and it was meet the teacher night, I would see parents of every different background running into each other because they had gone to school together and big hugs. And, yes. and when you grow up in, in a place like Levittown, which is like really historically segregated, it was it was so like kind of life affirming just for me to see that uh because I realized that they didn't even realize it was a strange thing. Exactly. So exactly. That was great. Right. Mm -hmm. it, and that was the beauty of it. I, that's what I loved about it. One of the main things I did love about being here uh, is just seeing that. Um, and, and, and the teachers also were all, you would see us all just to get, get together, you know, same type of thing. Um, and, you know, the diversity was not there in teaching or students or anything in Smithtown. But here you saw it. And that's what everyone needs to, every kid needs to see someone similar to them as a teacher, as a person that's leading, as those types of things. And I think that's one of the, the, the beauties of Belcourt. That makes me so happy. Now, were you a young bachelor back then or were you already married? No, I was a young bachelor. Ah, so um, when did you meet Maureen? Ooh, that's a long story. <laughs> um, Maureen and I were actually... Um, born both in Huntington Hospital. She is actually two months older than me, but- Matt, this is being recorded. <laughs> <laughs> but she, um, after a year and a half living in Northport, ended up moving to Connecticut. So I did not meet her until we were both uh, 600 miles apart and she was living in North Carolina and I was living here. That's so crazy. You know, um, and actually weird as it might get, an ex-girlfriend of mine introduced me to her. <laughs> really? So, yes. She was like, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> it, anyway. Let's be clear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you may be. That's about how it went. Oh, so, that's yeah. so, um, that's a good friend. Oh, it, it's weird with me. All my ex-girlfriends I know pretty well. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So, uh, Says a lot about you as a guy. Well, I, I try to be a nice person, that's for sure, all the time. But Jeez, um, what does it say about me? <laughs> that's yeah, another podcast episode. Don't worry, don't worry. But uh, yeah, so we had a long distance relationship for a little while. And um, she uh, was working in North Carolina, teaching in North Carolina. And uh, there was a point which we were dating and we were thinking about leaving Long Island, moving to uh, Florida. And 
strange as it might thank be. God we yes, thank God we didn't. Um, you know, it was I had gotten recommendations from our HR um, at the time, that kind of stuff, and we both had jobs lined up. I got up that night. I'm sitting there talking to Maureen. We we're discussing the difference in how much money we would make down there versus here. Yeah. And she looked at me. She said, "I don't even work for the rest of my life." We turned around, got up the next morning, called the people. Sorry, we're not coming in. Left, drove up, and she came up here. Yeah. Had a job at Miller Place, and that's where we've been from then. So, I mean, it's a long story yeah. to how we got together and all that kind of stuff. But uh, she um, was happy being up here. So, and we we're both glad not to be in those other places. And she's Definitely. a teacher too. She is a teacher. She's a special ed teacher. Miller Place. Is she retiring too? She is. All smiles. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's great. Everyone's happy yes. in that household. Exactly. I remember when I got hired, I think I got hired with easily, you know, like six or seven teachers in the high school. And I feel like that was the first time they had a major hiring since you had been hired, right? Yes. Like you were saying, I've been the young guy here for like seven years. That's Nobody had been hired. You're exactly That's right. An interesting dynamic. Well, that was my pointing out that. Um, there were not that many jobs around at that time and people were not, you know, uh, retiring. There wasn't a turnover much at all. So even in, and it was more further out East that we were, because if you watch the, the progression of those retirements, they usually work their way East, uh, in time and, uh, out here where I was, it took a long time before we started to hire more people because no one was retiring yet. They all had been hired around the same time and then they were going to be starting to retire at that time. So I was the young person for a long time. Uh, there was one person, Sheila, who was um, there for about four years or five years before me or something like that. And then the next was uh, one other person and then you guys. So um, and it, it was kind of odd. I'd be hanging out with a bunch of old folks. <laughs> they were um, fun guys. They though. were. <laughs> there was a lot of, and they really helped me along. Um, you know, as far as teaching, as far as growing up, as far as going out and having fun, teaching me about uh, coaching, things of that sort. The other Who's stuff. Talking that about? I, Throw some shout-outs out. Uh, Jim McGowan was one of them. Marv Lowen, another. Uh, Bob Morazzo, uh, you can go through a bunch there. Um, mm -hmm. they, they were, my science department was a strong department at that time, really strong. They were and, legends. Yeah. yeah. And, and they, uh, they really, as I said, took me under their wing and taught me about being a union member, what I should be doing. Um, sometimes even taught me things that I probably shouldn't be doing <laughs> as far as that, but that was okay. Uh, there was always there the help, you know, um, and then, you know, they would steer me along with teaching and through the, you know, how Belfort worked and those types of things, which I've always tried to do for others. You know, that was one of the things I learned from them is, you know, try to help others steer their way through what we're dealing with. When I, when I got to Belfort, it was the 98, 99 school year. So I had taught two years in the city and I worked with some amazing educators at PS 298, but I also, it was a different dynamic. If, if you got jury duty, in the city people showed up to work like they had won the lottery but they were they were going to try their best to get on the longest possible jury to be out of school and uh and when i got to belport i saw these old guys that had taken you under their wing they taught minimally like 25 years each 
And, um, and they would say, oh, well, you know, jury duty, I'm going to see if I can get it assigned for a break, you know, mm -hmm. or like, or they would, they were a combination of very strong union uh, officials and, and members. You don't have to be strong to be, you don't have to be an official to be a strong union right. person, but um, they would be resolute about following the contract. Mm -hmm. They would say, uh, if we're supposed to do extra help one period a week, then then if the principal asks, that's all I'm doing. But then they would say to me, but of course, if a kid needs extra help, I give it to them whenever they need it. Precisely. And these are like um, strong veteran teachers that had this kind of this this vibe of no matter how contentious things got with administration over contract issues. The kids were always first. Yes. So I, when I got there, I immediately was just obsessed with being part of this team. And, and Matt was like the youngest old guy there. Yes, <laughs> I was. And uh, that is exactly it. it. You know, we fight for our contract. We fight for all these things. We expect it to be followed. But kids are what we're there for. And, you know, I, I'm going to have... If they want help, I'm going to give them help. I'm going to work to make sure I'm doing the best job teaching them as always. You know, that's what we do. That's what we're there for. But we expect you still to follow our contract. That's all. That's that's what, you know. And, and you know, I've been a, a chief negotiator. I've been a lot of different things at, at Bellport. If you want to change the contract, that's the route you go. Right. You know, that you, you and that's fine. That's the way we go about these things. Uh, but you don't try and just say, well, I'm not doing what the contract says, that's not the appropriate way. And you've met a lot of, um, <laughs> Andrew, you and both of you guys have met some very strong union people that would say, no, you, you just follow the contract. We'll figure things out. We work through it. Um, and we also know that everyone's there for the kids. That's what we're there for. So, um, do, do you think that like some of the strength in unionism that the old guys had came from the fact that they had to really struggle and fight for them? I do. I actually do. I, and I think it was passed on from ones before too. Mm -hmm. um, if I go back and look at our old contracts, which I have, you know, where we started to where we got and things of that sort, it was a hard fight. There's mm -hmm. no question about it. Um, and that's when I always look back and say, those are the people that got us where we are as far as, you know, a decent contract, being able to have a living wage, doing those kinds of things, having insurance uh, that lets you, you know, live life, do what you need to do and, and put the time into teaching still without worrying about, hey, I need a second job. I need a third job. I need something to pay for insurance. I need, you know, those are the things that we had to fight for. And I'm not saying I fought for that, but the people before us did. And that's but, why. But you did. How many times did you have to pick it mm -hmm. in oh, your career? I, Out with a sign. Uh, one of the first days now. I was there. One of the first days I was there, I was given a sign. And I'll never forget. I was told. We'll give you a nice sign. Yes, a nice mm -hmm. sign. And I remember because I had I had to pick it once. I think and, and Wendy, I think you were a part of that too. That's uh, not a huge part of my career at Bellport, but I know for you, mm -hmm. it, it happened more than yes, once. Yes, I believe three times we were out picketing at least, at, as far as three different contracts. Yeah, and you were non-tenured when you did yes, it. Yes, I was just, just started. They said we'll give you a nice sign, and they put there. you in the back. Yes. They would say we're going to have them so, put in yeah. back, and mm -hmm. yeah, and and you always uh, you always got through that kind of thing. Well, I know, you know, 
I got to say, I, I think people recognize, and when I say people, I mean administration and board members, that you're going to be there and you're going to do what you need to do. And they should respect the fact that the others expect you to grab a sign. It's okay. You're not doing something crazy. You're out there just joining the rest of your group, doing what they do. And we all should be doing that. It's yeah. not, we shouldn't single out, oh, you know, this person's brand new, this person's tenured, not tenured, this person's tenured. Oh, this group should have scientists. No, everybody's together. Everyone is one. That's okay. how the idea is. And to do that, you grab that first person that just walked in and say, yes, you have a sign. We expect that. They're not coming after you. You're not, I'm not expecting, you know, they weren't expecting me to go up in front and go up on the TV, you know, someone's at the TV and say, you know, hey, you know, talk to the News 12 or something. That was, I would sit in the background. But those people that I talked about before, right. they would go up when News 12 was there and they were going to talk to them or Newsday was there. They were going to talk about it because they could and they should. And that's where, you know, when we look now, if those situations happened, that would be me at the forefront of doing that or, you know, our president or something like that. Yeah. You know? So I, I, I know I've had many conversations with newer teachers. And if I say, if you have a kind of a controversial question to ask, then just tell me to ask the question. Exactly. And if it, if it irritates somebody, that's okay. Cause mm -hmm. I have relationships with these people and I know um, you've, You've been the same way, and certainly Wendy's been the same way, where um, you've been pretty immovable on things when you feel like it's a question of right and wrong. Mm -hmm. But you've never asked anyone to hate an administrator for for them taking their position. And I know Wendy's the same way too. No. And it's uh, I my one of the best things uh, that my my first principal at Belport told me, uh, Bill Griffith. He came to me. Uh, well, he called me in, and he said. Uh, he knew that that he had been the connection that got me the interview at Bellport. Mm -hmm. His his wife and my mother worked together, so I got the interview that way. And uh, and I had been hired at the city school by him, and then he went to Bellport and he came to be the principal. So I he calls me in and he said, um, "I'm very happy you're here. I don't want you coming to this office to visit me." He said, you need to be with your fellow teachers. They need to know that you are one of them and they don't need to view you as some kind of like having some kind of special connection right. to me. And I really appreciated that. But he was speaking about people like you. He wanted he was sending me to you because he had trust in in your professionalism mm -hmm. and how you put kids first. So. Right. And and you lead to a great principal, one of the best I've had here. He really and uh, Bill was, was fantastic. You know, we would butt heads on certain things and we would discuss them and, you know, and, and Bill would always push the envelope because again, he wanted things to go right. And he was always looking for the right thing, but he also understood that there were times when you said, no contractually, we can't do that. And he'd look at you and say, well, I tried, you know, he'd be like that. Uh, and that was okay. That was certainly okay. And, it, it, and that's the way it works. But, uh, when you talk about him saying, come to me, it was the same type of thing where I was told who to go to, you know, when I was younger and, and those kinds of things. And that's, that's respect that you like to see uh, from administrators to yourself and to the whole group where you see they, it's not like, oh, don't go to that guy. Don't go to, you know, and, and that was the kind of stuff we would see um, from most administrators. 
I've been to a lot of administrators, I will say. Um, I couldn't even come close to counting. Um, <laughs> I think there's a lot of superintendents, assistant superintendents, just APs, principals, just a lot. Um, but uh, thankfully, the turnover has slowed. And there was a, a crazy turnover for a long time. And that we discussed. We And that was one of the things we as a union would discuss with our board of ed. Said, we need something for stability. There's no stability here when you have turnover. And they got it. They understood it. And they tried and they hired a superintendent that was there for 10 years. Tried to keep a lot of people there. Principals. We had a principal for 9, 10 years. You know, um, in the past, they would turn over every year or two. And um, whether they... We're moving on to a different place or uh, lost their job, whatever it was. The turnover was crazy. And that makes it tough for teachers. It makes it tough for students. It makes it tough for everyone in the community. So um, having Bill there was a great thing. And then, you know, moving forward, we had a few changes, but we got some stability also. What was one of your most proudest union wins? Like, That's a good question. I don't really know if I have some real proud moment there. I, I think what I look at and I feel proud of is that when we all get together and work together, that's what I like to see, you know, um, and I go to our rep meetings and I have people that want to fight for the right thing. And you see us all join together or um, just when we get together and we see people joining and being happy to be part of the BTA. What do you think the union can do better to make that that sentiment something that we all feel? I think we need more time doing fun things together. Um, we need time where, and I think this is overall what people need. They need to get together where they're enjoying, not just thinking about work, not just, oh, all of a sudden it's, it's a big issue that we have to deal with, so we're gonna have a meeting. That, that doesn't get people into wanting to be together and, and joining as a group. We need to have times, and we used to a long time ago, have uh, more get-togethers and get-togethers that were, to make it easier, just cheaper. Right. And we get a lot more people to those parties. Yeah. And I guess some teachers look at it now and say, you know, I, I, it's a lot of money to go to this get-together. It's a lot of money for that stuff. And it all ends up happening at the end. And it's like things add up. I always joke and I say, well, you know, save some money during the beginning of the year. So you have something at the end. You know, we can all do that. Uh, because my my view is always that you should go to things like retirement parties. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think I, I missed one. And I, I laugh about it because I bought my ticket. I just forgot it was that day and didn't go. No. <laughs> yes. Someone was talking it up at school. No. But... Those are the types of things we need to have people involved in and then see what what's involved with it. You get people on committees, you get people to run for rep, that kind of stuff. You know, there were times I, I looked at and said, if people ran, I would just step away mm. because I just want other people to get involved. Right. Um, but we wouldn't have enough people to run. And then I'd be like, OK, I have to keep doing this. Right. And then yeah. I I'd go around and try and get people to run. Wendy. <laughs> um, and uh, that was good to get people involved. It's a tough job. Yeah. It is. Mm-hmm. It's, and it's a lot of times thankless. Yeah. So um, one of the things I've always said, and I've tried to convince my wife sometimes, you know, 
get involved somewhat, but she was always scared. Well, you know, if I say something and she feels this way in her district, she feels threatened that way. And I, I've seen it there. Um, she's like, they can move me to the elementary school and I don't want to go to the elementary yeah. school, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I luckily teach AP physics and regions physics. Mm -hmm. I have one other certification. It's middle school. Um, yes, they could have moved me to middle school, but they didn't have anyone to teach physics. Right. They had no one certified for most years. And then we got a couple of people certified, but they don't have a degree in physics. Um, it didn't make sense to move me. Mm -hmm. So I felt that I can speak for the people that can't speak for themselves. Yeah. And that's what I would get involved. That's why I did it. Um, you know, if they want to come after me and, and thankfully there were times that people did. And, you know, like you said before, Andrew, you had people connections. And I always made sure I had some kind of connections that, you know, could could defend me if needed need be because someone was angry at me for speaking out. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that was a classic at one time. I had to file a grievance on something uh, with um, a faculty meeting that was called a staff meeting. And <laughs> Nelson and I still laugh about it, uh, but I had to file a grievance. And at that time, there were some threats that I had heard of me being moved to this alternative school that we had. So, um, and I kept saying, well, I don't know who's going to teach physics here, but that's all right. That was their problem. They thought they could move me, but I, I spoke to a couple of my friends who were on the board and they said, don't worry, you're not going anywhere. It's not yeah. a big problem. Um, but those are the things that you would run into. But thankfully I could speak for others and open my mouth. There were a lot of people that just got moved to these places mm -hmm. and a lot of people that are just afraid to ask questions or get involved because they're afraid of that. Right. And you shouldn't be afraid. The environment, what I mean by that is you shouldn't be. Right. There's, there shouldn't be a threat to you representing your people and your contract. But that's not reality in some places. Mm -hmm. Certainly at times here it wasn't. And we all know sometimes that it certainly wasn't. Yeah. Let's take a look at Teaching Initiative is a union-led initiative to develop a robust statewide educator pipeline in New York. One of its aims is to increase educators' workforce diversity. In the 2016-17 to 17 school year, more than 200 public school districts in New York did not employ a single teacher of color. Overall, enrollment in New York State's teachers' education programs have declined by 50% since 2009. With more teachers retiring, it is estimated that we will need up to 180,000 teachers in the next 10 10 years. The teacher shortage crisis is real. We need you. Thanks to the strength of our union, New York teachers make a good living in a very rewarding profession. Consider taking a look at teaching for your future career. I remember, yeah, days where when I was, I, you know, I spent a, a few years as, as a building rep and then as senior building rep also. And and sometimes I would say, I guess it's possible I could end up at the middle school next mm -hmm. year. But but then part of it, you know, it's just like the universe kind of works itself out where like I had enough positive experiences with parents and kids um, that, you know, if I was really brand new, I wouldn't have been probably taking those leadership positions. But by then I felt like I could and then I should. And I will say this, just like you were saying, you would have stepped aside if people were willing to do it. 
um, I noticed that at one point I had to step aside uh, at an election time because uh, one of the one of the members said, I would run, but I don't want to run against you. And I thought, um, I said, no, 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 you should definitely run against me. If you beat me, it'll be hilarious. We'll have a good laugh about it. Uh, but I could tell he was uncomfortable. So I said, okay, I'm just not going to run. And he said, oh, don't do that. But that was Pat Brady. Mm-hmm. And Pat Brady is like a VTA legend, really. Yes. He really is. And and it's an important thing because we all love each other. If you have an election, it's just a selection process. I, I wouldn't worry about it at all. It's so healthy for the union to have elections uh, because otherwise you give this vibe to everybody else that it's it's something that you only have to get by default because no one else will do it. But it's really important work. It's some of the most important stuff you can do for the functioning of your school uh, that you know that's out there. So. Yes, exactly. And you're right. We ended up you stepped aside for one of our real leaders at this point. You know, yeah, so, yeah, um, and good friend of mine. So, <laughs> um, I'll say that like my rep experience has been really positive. Um, it's it's been hard you know, hearing or having, I haven't really had to rep too many people, but it's been hard to, you know, balance teaching and also then trying to squeeze in all of these different um, ways that you can help your members. But I feel like a lot of the times they just need to be heard. And, um, you know, we, we can talk things out and, and there's not, there's not, a lot of moments where I've had to like go in and like fight hard for someone. And thankfully <laughs> in those moments, I'm like, Matt, um, John, uh, or Moshko will help out too. Um, think, thankfully, you know, he's got that like Russian ferocity there, right? I get what you're saying, exactly. But um, I, it hasn't been like, a, like, it's been a really positive experience of anything, like being able to interact with people that I probably wouldn't have. That's one of the beauties of it. I, it. You know, most of what I do has nothing to do with contractual stuff. Most of it is uh, people just wondering about this or, or discussing things with other people in the union and, and solving some of the issues that they run into. You know, I hate to say it, but it, a lot of times I'm trying to calm teachers down. Mm-hmm. You know, just relax. This is what we can do. This is how we go about it. Or it's one teacher against another teacher, which I don't like to do, but it's it's part of that. Part that I just have to do, and I don't know. I have to. It's what I want to do because I want us to be working together. Um, So I've done a lot of that. There's no question about it. I I think luckily, and and Dennis always talks to me about this. Dennis Pluthi says, you know, you just somehow have this fight and this calming at the same time. Yeah. And uh, I guess it's it it's something I'm lucky I can do, but it's what I I just I usually try to think through it the best I can first before I jump, you know, um, and it's, it's mostly calming. I think I, I heard you kind of be fierce like once oh. and I just, we laughed because we're like, <laughs> Oh, that is really mad. <laughs> but it was, it was almost comical because you don't get like that often. No. And, and a few times with Tim and I think I surprised him when I did, I got very angry at certain things and, he, he got angry back, but that's okay. Yeah. That's all part of it. You know, and one of those things that I, I think Tim was, Tim Hogan, this is our principal. Um, I think he was thinking I, I had issues with them and stuff. And, you know, I'm like, Tim, this is just 
this is a job I have to do. I can separate all these things out, you know, and here it was his retirement. We're out on the, on, out on the field for the last day of school. And, you know, I go up to him and I'm like, just, I want to just give him a big hug. And I do. And I think he was just surprised. <laughs> It's like you can give me a hug. Yes, I actually, I actually didn't know you hugged either. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know, yeah, this is. It's not personal. No, right. It's exactly not. It right. certainly isn't personal. It's it's just a job. You separate one from the yeah. other, um, and, and and that is a tough part. I will say, you know, I I come out of a meeting, and then I go straight into going to teach my students, and you have to be able to just so yeah. calm that down. Yeah. Whatever it was, walk away from it and realize you are there for the kids right. and they're waiting for you to be there for them yeah. and they want that. So, um, and, and that's one of those things I think um, I've been lucky to do. So, yeah, I just want to share one fun fact that I learned today because all this talk of calming, <laughs> uh, you mentioned John Ramoshko, who is a great advocate for us yes. in the, in the yes. union. He's a, he's a passionate advocate. It's great. Passionate. So, that's what they call me when I'm, you know. Being a little more than just passionate. <laughs> well, I was. I have a student who speaks Russian in addition to English, and uh, she said, "I want to go uh, get Mr. Ramashko to sign my yearbook." And I said, "Can you tell me, is is the name Ramashko translate to anything in English?" And she said, "Yeah, it's like flower." And I thought, "Wait a minute, <laughs> no. wait a minute." And then it got even better because when she clarified, she said, "No, it's like chamomile." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is great. So, That's great. <laughs> this is a high compliment that we're laughing because John is such a passionate guy. Yeah. <laughs> so I think of chamomile tea and I think yeah. of calming. Um, exactly. And then I and then it's just a hilarious disconnect. <laughs> yes, it is. And that's all great. props to you, John, for being the opposite of chamomile. Oh, that's good. I'm actually going to bring up uh, your boys. Being that you and Maureen are both teachers, mm -hmm. union people, do you feel like you were able to um kind of pass that unionism down to the boys how do your boys feel about it tell, tell us a little bit about your boys i'll tell you yeah okay well my boys are currently 21 and 19. um so we you know we raised them all in bayport you know um and they both loved sports they love to get involved with music they uh were great students they really were and um we're lucky i'm gonna tell you but you know, it's also work, you know, um, we joke about it, but like one of the, <laughs> my wife makes fun of me for this, but the first letter I ever taught my young, my oldest guy was X. I just put it up there and he's in the bathtub. We had those letters X, you know, and it's just like, <laughs> why X? I don't know, but it just, you know, but we would be reading to him all the time. We'd take him, you know, on walks, hikes, everything, you know, Andrew, we met you up in Maine camping, you know, um, we just took them everywhere and just loved to do it. And they love to do that too. Uh, but they uh, have both worked hard to be where they are. My oldest guy just graduated NC State with his aerospace engineering degree, currently looking for a job. Um, and he's a little, he takes his time on everything. He always needs to finish something before he starts the next thing. Um, my younger guy, he's uh, at NC State also, and he is a civil engineer. And he's the one that is more, I think, like me, that he really is kind of looking at pro-union stuff, pro, you know, but work hard no matter what. Uh, he's got an internship right now, and he loves it. He's driving 76 miles each way, but he loves it. But here's a kid that, you know, he 
in December started interviewing for this. This is after his sophomore year. You know, in his sophomore year, he's interviewing for internships, and he gets this thing, and they, he thought he was just going to be in the tri-state area. But no, they, they tell him, we're going to send you to Fort Bragg, which is not called Fort, Fort Bragg, Liberty. Fort Liberty, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, they, and then they're like, well, and before that, he's like, he, they told him what he's going to get paid. He's like, I get paid more at home. You know, I need, so he, he talked to them. They're like, all right, we'll pay for your living too. So we'll give you an extra $800 every month kind of thing. So then he gets this thing and they're like, okay, you're going to be going to Fort Bragg. It's 76 miles away. He's like, what do I do about that? I, I, I got him a car. Luckily we were able to do. Um, but he's like, that's going to be a lot of gas. How, how can I afford this? So he writes a letter to them. He's like, you know, to his, who would be his boss. And he's like, I, I just, I didn't figure that in. And I goes, well, writes back right away. The guy, and he had asked, he said, should I send this? I'm like, yeah, send it. Talk to the guy, do it. The guy writes back, we're going to pay you for gas. Nice. So, no, you know, exactly. Negotiator. Exactly. <laughs> that's it. Oh, and he, he writes better than me. That's for sure. It's just, he's impressive. And the other, all the guys very also very impressive also but this kid just figured out how to do this and of course he doesn't realize that i paid for the car <laughs> he's getting money that is really for maintenance on the car also mm -hmm. he's like oh they're just paying me extra money this is great nice. you know so but um they're both great kids uh we, we raised them to to get out and do mm -hmm. you know um and they love it i mean he just the younger guy was camping, uh, skiing, I should say, in, in uh, Colorado this year. He saved his money so he could afford to do that. Mm -hmm. Again, they're lucky. We pay for their college, almost all of it, mm -hmm. you know, so lucky enough to do that. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things that you need to, how should I say, work hard with your kids. You know, you need to, you know, we as teachers do the best we can. But we're only with those kids for 42 minutes or at a time, you know, and, and they got to go home and parents need to work with it. I know it's not easy for people, mm -hmm. but that's part of what needs to happen. Um, and if they can't, honestly, I, I have a theory. And, and a lot mm -hmm. of people don't like my theory, but my theory is that some kids, if they're going home to parents that are working, that can't be around, that kind of stuff, they need to be in school longer. Mm -hmm. And it's not necessarily for education. Mm -hmm. It's for um, so our social emotional stuff. Yes, and, yeah. and extra help extra and, and playing sports, playing yeah. music, playing chess, doing all those kinds of things. It's a big cost, don't get me wrong, but if you really want our kids to thrive right. and get the best education, that's what we need to do. Because if they just go home and their parents can't be home because they got to work two or three jobs, well, what is that kid doing? Right. They're on the watching they're not watching tv anymore but they used to be watching tv instead they're on their phone or they're on a tablet or they're just hanging out with kids doing nothing and not something that is really good for them and you know i've expressed this idea but i know it it just it's a huge cost yeah. it is but that's it's an investment that's what our country yeah. needs to do yeah. they need to truly decide to invest mm -hmm. in our children and sometimes the best investment in our children is more time with adults that can be there. And yes, you might have to pay them and maybe a little less than a teacher at that time, but they need to be there, you know? Um, so. and, and luckily for me and my kids, we got to be there. You know, we were both teachers. 
the summer, uh, my kids went to the beach more than they could imagine. And we get to the end of August and like, we're going to the beach again. <laughs> my mom and dad like the beach. So yes. <laughs> so, um, but I, I, it's, and as we all know, had kids who raised kids, it, it's a lot of work. Mm-hmm. It is, you know. Um, is that where we're going to find you at the beach during retirement? Often. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I. Um, what are your plans? Tell us. All right. Well, um, both my wife and I are both retiring this year, so um, which is fantastic getting to retire together. And uh, we initially are going to enjoy the fall in New York. When you think about it, both of us have been teachers our whole life. Have we ever had a September where we didn't have to go to school or work? The answer to that is no. And being on Long Island, if you're from Long Island, you know that it's probably the best month there is, September. You know, it really is, but I'm always working. Yeah. So we're going to spend a lot of time camping and going to the beach hiking, doing those things that we love to do. I love mountain biking, other things like that. And we'll be getting that done. So September, October, we'll be doing that. Eventually, we're going to start working on the house to make sure it's ready to sell. And over time, we plan to move near the water in North Carolina. Ah, nice. And your boys say that. Well, we're not sure about that. Okay. I, I I would say, you know, I'd love to be near my boys, but mm-hmm. I don't expect them to come to us, and I don't expect us to necessarily follow them. Okay. Uh, that is one of the beautiful things, I think, about retiring is we can go see them where they are, and that's kind of what we'd love to be able to do. So I expect my younger guy to end up in the mid, well, probably Colorado area. He mm-hmm. loves to ski, loves the mountains, he loves all that. My uh, older guy, he likes fishing, but he also loves soccer. I could see him moving to London. I, I really could. I don't know what to expect from them. Uh, but we also have family in North Carolina. So uh, my wife's sister's down there and her husband and my brother lives down there. Uh, so uh, they're not near where we are. They're in the Raleigh area. We're looking further on the coast. But still, uh, that is um, closer to them. I kind of dragged my wife away from her sister. <laughs> she was in North Carolina near her sister. And Aww. so for, you know... A long time she's been away from them. So and they're close. Yes, they're thirteen years apart, but wow. as thick as can be, they are just they love Aww. spending time with each other. So, That's wonderful. Yeah, so, so all right, those sound like amazing retirement plans. I really love that. On day one, like first day of school, you better be camping. You better be doing something we, really awesome. Believe me, we will be. <laughs> <laughs> but um, all right, so I, I want to ask you to leave us with some advice. But um, I think you're going to need to leave us with two kinds of advice, union-minded advice, Mm -hmm. and then just like teaching, education kind of overall advice. Okay. Well, I'll start with the union, okay, and um, only because you said it first. But the strength of your union comes from somewhat leadership, but getting everyone involved. And... um, I just wish that, and I hope that you as a group, because you will be left, can continue to get the young people and the middle of the group, because a lot of our older people are truly involved. Just get them involved to start understanding that it's one group. That's what we are. We're one group. It's not like people look and say, well, the union. 
Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, it's not. The, you're all a part of our union. We're all together. Yes, there's leadership. Everywhere there's going to be leadership, but we're all together. And that's why, I, you know, when we have certain things like a, a, a retirement party or a get together or whatever it might be, I like to see everyone there if we can get as many people. Because, again, when when we're looking to get something done, there's nothing like the strength of everyone. You know, I, I've been a chief negotiator and there are times where I would love to say, you know, we really could maybe get more or we could negotiate something else here. But you have to have your people behind you. And as a strength, if you're all together, it's amazing what you can get done. It really is. Um, but when you're split or people don't believe in it, they don't understand it or aren't involved, you're weaker. You're just not as strong as you could be. So I I know it's difficult, and I'm not sure I've done the best job, that's for sure. But you want to try and get everyone together, working together as a union. And understand, we're all in it. That's what we are. We're not one. We're not a, just the leadership. We're all there. And in your position as negotiator, you've really seen the importance of not always getting everything that you want. Sure. And like, and the the process by which we actually have to sacrifice things that we really believe in, mm-hmm. right? But we have to we have to find a middle ground always. It's eye opening to teachers at times when they think that, well, why didn't you just get this? Right, right. Because it's negotiations. That's mm-hmm. what it is. It's a give and take. And that's what life when you do stuff is a give and take. You know, when when you decide that you want this car instead of that, you know, a, a cheaper car, well, you had to give somewhere else. And when you go and you negotiate what you are looking to do, it's a give and take. They have ideas, we have ideas. And you try and meet in the middle. That's always negotiations. Um, and a lot of people think, well, just get it. Just go get this. You want this? Get it. No, it doesn't work necessarily like that. And that's where you work with them. And that's where you try and prove some things. And that's what you have to do. The, the use, the what, how useful something is or how important something is. You know, and sometimes it doesn't work and sometimes it does but that's where you have to kind of understand this give and take and most of our people that have never been negotiating anything have no idea about the give and take so it it becomes truly eye-opening if they were ever on a negotiating team Mm -hmm. to what it really is about so um, teacher advice teacher advice Enjoy the ride is number one. It really, um, look, it's very simple. You work hard. You put the best effort you can in. There were times where I was making myself sick. Literally, I would make myself sick over the students not getting what I thought they should be getting out of something. And I learned at that time, I can't make myself sick. It doesn't make me good at home. It didn't make me for my kids, that kind of stuff. But if I work the right way and I put my effort in the best I can and made the kids excited about it, it made the biggest difference. And all of a sudden I, I realized I can't make them learn that, 
but I can try and make it fun for them to learn that and get them interested in some way. And if I can get them interested, then it starts to work better. And I'm not stressed. And that's what was happening to me. I was stressed about it. I think one of the things, Andrew, you had said earlier, and I don't know if it was on the podcast or before, but I have high standards. I have high standards of myself and I have high standards of my students. And um, over the years, my courses have been very demanding. There's no question about it. The students were scared to come in sometimes. When they came out and they were done, usually they were pretty happy with it, but they would come in like, mm, he's a tough grader, he's tough this, all those kinds of things. But that's okay if you stick to your standards and you're fair and you have structure for them. Um, and you hope, and this is one of the things I've run into lately, you hope that everyone else is the same way. And what I mean by that is the other teachers are doing the same thing. Because I had another colleague, and some of us know some of these people, but I, I actually don't want to name the person. Mm -hmm. But they had high standards too. And the students would learn a lot from them. But others were like, this is too tough. This, is, you know." But the standards, if you can keep that up, kids will rise to that. They really will. Again, it needs to be fun. You need to be... I hate to say it, this is a tough part of the job, an entertainer. Yeah. You really are. You're an entertainer. People don't understand that we don't just hand out dittos and read stuff. And do, if you do that, kids are bored and they're just going to put their heads down and they're not going to enjoy the, the, the show. Right. And, and it is. Yeah. It's a show. You, you are um, constantly um, trying to get them involved and entertained and wanting to should I say just enjoy your class mm -hmm. so when I talk about what advice teachers should to give them make it fun for the students mm -hmm. but have something planned that you expect them to get out of it and hold them to that and that's a key hold them to that they're okay with that they really are they want structure they want to learn they want to know what your expectations are but if you don't also make it fun it's not you never make it through this career right. you know i've spent 32 years in the same classroom and most people will say you're lucky yeah and i am I, I there's no question i'm lucky but if it wasn't fun in there i'd be looking at the same walls for 32 years and be like what am i doing right you know so i look at it and say make sure it's fun for me and them but they enjoy structure they truly do well, Matt, it's been fun. <laughs> um, it's been fun, and we're going to be telling Matt Theron's stories for as long as I'm around. And one of the things that I love also about what you do is you come into the social studies office and eat lunch with us. And, like, how many people do that? How many people go to another department's office and, like, hang out with people outside of their department? And that's so great that you do that. Find the fun people. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, we love that. But um, after in stories oh, for well, for days, for sure. And, <laughs> you know, it's no, it's been a pleasure to work with you. You've been you've been a real role model on a lot of different levels. I appreciate that. I do. Um, and as I, I'm at the point where you know I've done this a while and I've enjoyed the ride, I want to now 
go out and enjoy those things before I get too old and can't do them. <laughs> um, so, like I said, I love to hike and bike and camp. And if I wait too long, I just can't do those things. Right. So, um, 55 yeah. is not that old, I agree, but I don't want to wait much longer. Yeah. So, of course, you shouldn't. You shouldn't have to enjoy your retirement. Thank you very much. Good. I appreciate this. Thank you very <laughs> much, guys. Okay. NYSIT is more than 600,000 people who work in or are retired from New York schools, colleges, and healthcare facilities. We are classroom teachers, college and university faculty, and professional staff, school bus drivers, custodians, secretaries, cafeteria workers, teachers' assistants and aides, nurses, and healthcare technicians. We are dedicated to improving not only our working conditions, but also our professions. We are united in a common commitment to improve the quality of education and healthcare for the people of New York. At NYSIT, we make a difference. All right, Wendy, what did you think? He's even better than I thought. I mean, he gave so much, I don't know, so many words of wisdom. And then just, you know, talking about his beginnings here at Bellport and, you know, what he, how he perceived Bellport in terms of um, the diversity that he saw here, that he loved, the diversity that works so well here that he was really proud of all of these years. And being a physics teacher, you know, and we know that AP, classes and some of our higher level classes are not full of so much diversity. Um, him being able to really value that was especially meaningful to me, I think. Yeah, I loved uh, also the parts where he was talking about how at the start of his career, if he didn't get the job right away, that he was someone's second choice, which is really hilarious to think uh, now with the accomplishments he's had as a teacher. But I think it's great because we're always hoping that new teachers listen to this podcast. And I know that that's a time of a lot of uncertainty. So to know that Matt Federn had those years or those at least months of uncertainty himself before he could get going, um, hopefully gives people um, gives people a sense that uh, they're not alone. Yeah. I loved all of his, his faith in, in unionism and how the power and the strength of it really comes from the membership and not necessarily the leadership, uh, which our leadership is important to us. But we have to remember, and as I'm stepping down as rep, um, and uh, good luck and congratulations to Kate Burke. She's going to be an awesome rep, and I look forward to, to seeing you know her contributions. But um, I intend to be no less of a pain in the ass. Oops, sorry. <laughs> to to you know, not not a pain, but no less involved. Um, without you know you know having some leadership title, I think we all really need to understand that we empower ourselves and that our leadership is there. I think more more to support us and to back us up than to really fight every single one of our fights for us. And I think. I want all of us to move forward knowing that we are powerful in and of ourselves and that we can rest assured that our union is behind us, our union leadership is behind us, but that, that we are the union. And I love that Matt said that over and over again. He's, 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 he's like 
a pivotal part of our unionship. I I know that when I needed him or when I need when I was like fired up about something, he calmed me down, which normally he's you wouldn't think that, you know, tough-minded that Matt Fitter would he would be the calming voice, but he absolutely was because he always put things into perspective and uh, moving forward as we're going into summer and we're reflecting on the school year as we do every single summer, I think that I will be doing the same and I'll be thinking about what my role as a member, which is a really important role, um, is in our union as, as well as, you know, how to make things more fun for our kids, which is the takeaway that I got from Matt Fritter. And he's like, keep it fun. You are entertaining them. You want them to love being there with you in that same space every day for 40 minutes or, you know, every school day for 40 minutes. So that's my takeaway. Yeah, and I just, uh, I know that <clears throat> I guess probably a year ago I was listening to a podcast where Adam Grant uh, was, was the guest and he said something and I immediately contacted you about it because I, I love this line and he, he reminds me of that after. Uh, he said that the opposite of harmony is not conflict, the opposite of harmony is apathy. And Matt always embodied that because he was sometimes in conflict with administrators, but that was because he continued to care about doing great work. And if somebody gets to be apathetic, that's the real problem for a culture. So we're going to miss him and his his fighting the good fight, even if that didn't mean conflict, because he never stopped caring and I loved it. No, I absolutely think that's true. And one of us will definitely have to pick up the torch for Matt because we want to make sure that we continue, you know, not making everyone feel like that, like there's nothing they can do. Hold up, Wendy, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but did you really mean to say that one of us was going to pick up the torch? <laughs> um, no, I guess I should rephrase that because I just finished telling an entire story about how it's all about the membership. So we will all have to pick up the torch and make sure that um, no one feels apathetic because we all feel empowered. So thank you for, for interrupting. Hey, look, I've learned my math as well. <laughs> all right, guys, uh, enjoy your summer. Congratulations to all our, of our retirees this year. You have earned a much needed extended rest period um and we you will be missed as for the rest of us get your rest because september is coming <laughs>